Dan and Amy and uh, Ed Whalen. He's the president of the Ethics Public Policy Center, former Justice Scalia law clerk. And um, we'll talk to David French at the bottom of the hour about him as well because he writes for NRO. He, um, we talked to Noah Rothman in the 7 o'clock hour about this uh, string of tweets that he posted yesterday sort of in uh, criminal defense attorney fashion presenting an alternative theory of who the uh, potential abuser of Blasey Ford was back 36 years ago by presenting a classmate of Kavanaugh's who looked like him. And a split screen. A split screen, and then, like, the distance between the houses of the parties named and his house and then a floor plan of his house to compare that to the description of the house that Blasey Ford has. And he he said, you know, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody else. I'm just raising this as a possible uh, under the possible theory of mistaken identity. Well, I mean, you can't point to somebody and say it could have been him and then say, but I'm not saying it could have been him. Yeah, defamation of character on line one. (laughs) Well, Maybe, but um, oh, I'd be—you'd be mad if that was your picture. Well, I—I yeah. I understand mad versus defamation. He made a—it was a terrible, terrible idea. I, I just can't understand why he thought this was legal. Was made any sense? Ed Whalen now tweeting this morning, just a few moments ago. I made an appalling and inexcusable mistake of judgment in posting the tweet thread in a way that identified Kavanaugh as Georgetown Prep classmate. I take full responsibility for that mistake, and I deeply apologize. For it, I realize that does not undo the mistake. It, it's an appropriate apology. It, it just, uh, I mean, it's a, a stunning error in judgment um, from somebody who is a serious, thoughtful, intelligent guy. Um, but um, I don't know. You know, this is sort of where our politics are. You have otherwise well-adjusted, smart people not always behaving consistent with that description. For more on the topic of Kavanaugh, also. Uh, this Bloomberg story about tax cuts. We're pleased to be joined by our friend Michael Barone, senior political analyst for the Washington Examiner, WashingtonExaminer.com. Michael, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Hey, nice to be with you. What do you what do you uh, what do you think about uh, the uh, that whole Ed Whalen flap and just that bizarre uh, Twitter thread that he posted? Well, I was astonished that he uh, named an individual as a possible perpetrator of a possible attack. I thought uh, uh, that was sort of astonishing and uh, and unprofessional and a wrong thing to do. Um, I think there's room to introduce the idea, which some people did in, just in the abstract, that uh, an accuser could be mistaken about an identity of an attacker, uh, assuming that an attack did occur. That occurred 36 years ago and in circumstances where uh, perceptions may be uh, hazy and so forth, that that's perfectly plausible. But, uh, you know, he, he ran down a floor plan in a particular mm-hmm. house in Chevy Chase. Uh, gee, um, I don't think you really need to do that. The fact is that uh, the description sheet gave could comport with many floor plans, yeah. and people obviously yeah. realize that. And naming names is inappropriate. I uh, know and liked my Ed Ed Whalen. I was pretty astonished that he named the name. And uh, strikes me, Amy's got a point. The the guy wants a defamation lawsuit. 
the guy wants to bring a lawsuit, I don't think it would be thrown out of court. No, yeah, it wouldn't be neither. thrown out. It wouldn't necessarily. It would, you know. anyway, so what do yeah. you think I mean, of... I'm not going to yeah. name the name, but... No. But what do you think of um, her list of demands or her attorney's list of demands that they gave the committee yesterday? Well, I think that the demand that the Red Queen preside over the, <laughs> over the questioning <laughs> is probably going a little far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. just making a weak joke there. But, you know, the, the demands that... Uh, Judge Kavanaugh testify first and not respond to her testimony. I think that's sort of the committee's business about who testifies before their committee. Uh, and I don't think that, uh, you know, if you're truth-seeking, uh, I don't think that uh, those are particularly appropriate demands. And I would think the committee would not uh, go along with them, but uh, we shall see. I've not been a perfect prognosticator of everything that's been going on here. Uh, but... Uh, you know, the committee has indicated a willingness to allow this person to testify in public or in private uh, in Washington or in California or presumably in another location if they want to. Um, you know, uh, that's, um, and, and, you know, the, the various terms and conditions which these people have insisted upon and their unwillingness immediately to testify and so forth suggests that this very well could be a partisan setup. We don't know that for sure, but it's certainly possible. If if uh, she does testify, and for whatever reason it goes badly, not for her but for uh, Kavanaugh, and somehow this nomination is derailed, what do you think the political implications would be for November 6th? Um, you know, I mean, such initial polling as we've seen, and going back to the polling in 1991 when the nomination of Clarence Thomas was challenged and the Anita Hill testified, although, remember, she testified, he never touched her, uh, the, uh, yeah, according to her testimony. Uh, that uh, suggests that the judgment might actually be helped and might not be rallying people to um, to his side, people who believe that the kind of jurisprudence which he has advocated and which is practiced on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals uh, is the kind of jurisprudence they'd like to see on the Supreme Court. So um, I think it could be positive for Judge Kavanaugh, positive for the Republicans, but uh, uh, we shall see. I think that if uh, Judge Kavanaugh's nomination is withdrawn, which I don't expect to have happen, but if it is, I think uh, my prediction next nominee will be a woman. Uh, just speaking, uh, sticking on the topic of uh, Republicans' political fortunes and messaging, yeah. th this uh, RNC survey that Bloomberg reported on yesterday, by a two-to-one margin, respondents uh, said the tax cuts, the Trump tax cuts, benefit large corporations and rich Americans over middle-class families, uh, the Trump tax cuts, uh, despite a strong economy, in part buoyed by those tax cuts, one would argue, uh, it's basically evenly split between Americans 44% favor, 45% oppose. Even in an RNC uh, report, voters are even evenly divided on the tax cuts and job acts, but we've lost the messaging battle on this issue. Uh, what uh, should Republicans take away from, uh, according to the RNC's pollster, losing the messaging battle on tax cuts? Well, you know, um, when you're doing messaging battles, it uh, it's not helpful if the president is tweeting about other 
uh, extraneous uh, and uh, irrelevant issues, uh, you know, about whether or not the estimates of the death toll in the Puerto Rican in Puerto Rico and the hurricane were mm-hmm. uh, accurate or believable. Uh, I think he actually had a point on the substance, but that was a long ago issue, and you know, it's distracting attention. Uh, they have a strong case to make that uh, the tax cuts have benefited the economy. There's certainly a perception that the economy is in better shape than it's been in the last, uh, not just 10 years, but the last uh, 15, this whole century, going from the year 2000. Uh, I think Republicans could do a better job. Of course, mass, you know, mainstream media will do everything they can to obstruct the Republicans from uh, delivering a message and, you know, presenting counter uh, arguments or you know, uh, to, or, or avoiding the subject. So, you know, it's always a little uphill for Republicans, but Constitution guarantees us a free press, not a fair one. Um, and we woke the, up this morning with great news. Jobless, jobless claims are the lowest since 1969, and there's seven million job openings right out there well, in I America. Think, and that's great uh, you know, news. I it's think huge. one of the things that's very interesting is the accumulating evidence that. Uh, increases in the economic growth and uh, positive economic signs tend to be benefiting people in the modest middle and lower end of the income and skill spectrum, uh, contrary to the trends that have prevailed for at least the last 20 years where income gains have gone especially to people at the high end of the income and skills sale. Uh, Donald Trump campaign is somebody that's going to help the ordinary guy and gal uh, get ahead and people without a lot of uh, marketable skills help them do better. Um, that has seems to be happening now, you know, whether it's a result of his policies or has no connection with, you can argue about that all night, but I think it's, it's a very interesting set of trends. Just talking to a, uh, liberal democratic analyst about this yesterday and basically who agreed with my, uh, the summary that I've just given you, he adds that we don't know if this is, you know, just a short-term uh, statistical tr- noise or is it going to be a long-term statistical trend. But if it turns out to be a long-term statistical trend, and it could, um, that is a change in our economy that probably uh, is a political asset to Republicans, particularly as their uh, coalition of voters has become more downscale and less dependent on high-income people. Um, it's an interesting change if that's what we're watching occur. All right. He is Michael Barone, Senior Political Analyst for the Washington Examiner, WashingtonExaminer.com. Michael, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for being here. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro 